Hey guys, this is David. We wanted to let you know about an exciting opportunity we don't want you to miss out on. We are hosting our annual Awaken Conference Labor Day weekend in Dallas, Texas. Join 4,000 other young adults from all over the country and world to be a part of seeing an awakening of the hope of the world, which is the church of Jesus in our generation. Go to theporch.live to get a ticket before they sell out. Hope to see you at Awaken 2022. Welcome to Views from the Porch, a lifestyle podcast where we have weekly conversations about some of the biggest challenges young adults face today. Our desire is to use God's word in our experience leading thousands of young adults at the porch to challenge you, push you, keep it real with you, and walk alongside you as you navigate your defining years as a young adult. For more info on the porch, visit theporch.live or follow us on social media. And with that, here's this week's episode. What's up, guys? This is David back with another episode of Views from the Porch, joined with the one and only J.D. Rogers. What up? And Becca Kepto. Hi, guys. I'm back. You're back. Yeah, we had to record one without you mm-hmm. last week or two weeks ago. Yep. How's everyone doing? Doing good. good. Went on a little vacay to D.C. I'm back. I have a lot of energy. I'm ready to go. Oh, man. Speaking of D.C. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> See what you did there. I did. Today, we are just doing some light topic discussions. Mm. Um, actually, we're talking about something that's just kind of blowing up all over social media right now, and a lot of different uh, views are getting thrown out there. And so, we are views from the porch. And mm-hmm. so, we're going to share ours. And better yet, God's view on what we believe is his view on abortion. Because as of recent, there's been talk of a turnover of Roe v. Wade. And so, David, why don't you just go ahead and just frame up the conversation, give kind of all context and everything that's just good to know before we kind of get into views and truth and all those different things. Yeah. So on, oh man, what night? Was it Monday night? I think it was Monday. Yeah, I think so. Monday or Sunday. Mm -hmm. There was a leak, which is pretty crazy in and of itself, that I feel like we're still, everyone's, finding out exactly what happened. But there was a draft or a first draft of a position from a majority opinion of the Supreme Court to overturn Roe versus Wade. So that's a lot of language to say. The Supreme Court, it seems to be, is considering overturning Roe versus Wade, which has got to be the most famous court case in American history. Like, I feel like yeah. nobody else, nobody can even name the other, yeah, like a Burgefell or... Anyways, and so, you know... The reasons behind that, we're still discovering why did they leak that and all that happened there. But we just wanted to frame up, like you said, J.D., a biblical perspective and understanding on what we should do, how we should think about, and what does the Bible have to say about life, and also give a little bit of clarity on even what that means, the implication. Like, let's say Roe versus Wade is overturned. So Roe versus Wade goes back to 1973, and it was a decision made that took place actually from a lady who was in Dallas. Yeah. Jane Rowe was basically like John Doe is the way that you make up a name for a guy that you don't want to give their actual name. Mm -hmm. They made up a girl name, and that was Jane Rowe, just like John Doe. And so it was Jane Rowe, this woman, versus um, Wade, which I'm not even sure exactly which Wade was, but basically the end and the implication of that decision forced or allowed the universal ability to uh, get an abortion or it 
made it so that states could not restrict or could not outlaw and ban abortion. So there were a lot of states that at the time didn't have or didn't allow abortions, or they did so in very random or very, you know, cases of rape or incest or something like that. And since that day, over the past 50 years, almost 50 years exactly, there have been close to a million abortions a year that have taken place. And as Christians, so let me first clarify, because a lot of people think if Roe is overturned, then abortion is outlawed. And while that would be amazing, and hopefully God, you know, eventually brings our nation to see why that, as a Christian, we believe that should be the case, it wouldn't overturn, or it's not, them overturning Roe versus Wade is not overturning or outlawing abortion. Does that make sense? Yeah. So a lot of people think, hey, this is going to outlaw abortion. No, it's only making it harder, a little bit harder to get an abortion. There are states like Texas who probably will outlaw, and quickly after it is overturned, they will have it outlawed. But then there's states like California and New York that tragically are going to go even harder and provide it maybe even to a fuller or all the way up to the time of birth. And so there's just a lot of conflicting opinions and people saying things like, well, you know, even if it was outlawed, then women are going to use coat hangers and they're going to die and women's rights and my body, my choice, and and just all of these different things that are being thrown out. So we just wanted to jump on here and talk about why the Bible says every person, life begins at conception and every person is so extraordinarily valuable, which is why as Christians, we have deep sympathy for women who find themselves in a position where they um, either have made that decision or considering making that, and we want to care for and love them well. If that's a part of your story, God's not done with you. He wants to bring healing to that, and we know it's a part of many people's stories. And so any temptation you feel for shame and guilt is not from the Lord, and it's not our heart here. We just wanted to open up this conversation and begin to talk about it. Yeah, that's good. Well, something that I'm seeing a lot that we can just dive right in, first off, what are you? What are your thoughts on men deciding what women should be able to do with their bodies? Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's so many baked-in assumptions in that. It's weird in 2022, a society that both claims men shouldn't have a right to say that is the same society that also says um, there's no universal standard for what a man even is. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah. Like um, that now. Uh, the Supreme Court justice who was asked, hey, can you define what is a woman? And she said, I, I can't. So it's it's ironic that the same world that is saying men shouldn't have any right to speak into that um, is also the same world saying, you know, the definition of a man is pretty malleable. But it comes down to they're not speaking into their body. We believe and know that when my wife was pregnant with our kids, all three of them, there's another person inside of there. In other words, if it was just, hey, that's my body and it's attached to my body like my arm is, then my wife would have been half male and half female when she was carrying our son. So we don't think it's a fair, it's it's a false argument, I guess would be my point. And I'd love to hear what you guys would add, but saying, hey, men shouldn't have the right to speak into that. Just because I'm not German doesn't mean I can't speak into the fact that Nazi Germany was evil and wrong. Or just because I don't have, you know, um, a part of my story being abused doesn't mean that I shouldn't be able to speak to something being morally wrong. And that's what it comes down to is we believe it is morally and the Bible teaches life begins at conception. That's a human life. And we know that it is a moral wrong to end a human life or to kill and murder a human life. So regardless of if it's male or female, here's the other irony is that a majority of women are pro-life. 
In other words, the percentages on women versus men are higher amongst women than they are amongst men. If anything, it benefits men because they're like, man, I can have sex and it's just another form of birth control. I have no obligation or responsibilities attached to this. And so I just think it's a, it's a red herring or a bad argument. Well, David, um, male or female aside, I think a lot of the argument that I hear from my friends in my friend circle is just, okay, it doesn't matter if it's male or female. We don't think that the government should have any say in what a female can do with her body. So what would your response to that be? I would say it already does. Like if you took your fist and you punched it into someone, some random stranger's face, you would be arrested for assault. The government already has a uh, number of different restrictions that you can't do anything. In other words, go try to sell yourself for prostitution tonight, you know, down on some street in Dallas, and the government is going to get involved because it's illegal. The government already plays a role in regulating and has a threshold or has a line that if you cross it, the government is going to get involved. But what would, what would you, how would you take the other side? I know, I think that makes sense. I think the argument that I continuously hear, though, is the government just shouldn't be involved at all, whether that be with birth control, whether that be with a woman being able to end a life or not. Yeah, I think we all have a line where we would say we want the government to be involved. And by that, I mean, if somebody hits your car or somebody, um, you know, shows- if someone walked up to you and punched you, yeah. you would want the authorities to take them away. And what if that person's argument was just my body, my choice? So if, if, if I want to use my body to punch you, who's the government to say what I can do with my body? Yes. That we all have that line that if somebody stole your car or somebody, you know, killed someone in your family, you would say, I want the government involved and I would like justice to happen. And where it gets muddy and where I, I think I feel for people, especially who've had this a part of their decision, is there's so much propaganda that has been communicated about this, of how it's not actually a human or it's just a clump of cells, which every person is just a clump of cells when it comes down to it. That's what makes up every human outside of the womb or in the womb. But there's been so much propaganda that is communicated to people that, hey, you don't have any right, and how dare you speak into that. And, um, and I think there should be legislation across the board where women who have a child like that, because the, the other perspective is like, well, the guy doesn't have to carry it, and the guy can just be gone, and he just had sex, and then he's gone from it. And that we should introduce legislation that it meant if you are going to have sex and a child comes forth from that, and there is legislation, you're responsible for providing for that, for paying for that um, child to raise and for supporting, doing child support with that person. Okay, well, what would you say to the argument that being pro-choice is not being pro-abortion? That whatever your, th your thoughts or beliefs are towards abortion should not dictate what a woman can do as a choice for her own life. Yeah, I mean, as Christians, we believe sex was created for the context of marriage, but let's take it outside of that because really where people get stuck is they're like, yeah, I believe that uh, my faith says that, but should I bring that into the public square as it relates? Ask your question one more time. So like, can you be anti-abortion but pro-choice? Like, hey, personally, I wouldn't, but I'm for people having the choice to do that. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I'm, people think that they are. There's a lot of people that have used that exact language of like, I never would personally, but I don't think it's my right to impose those other beliefs. Like as a Christian, is that okay? I think the Bible teaches life begins in the womb. At and I know it does. Psalm 139, the um, Psalm 51. Well, let me, let me ask, before you keep going, one more, one more thing. I, I feel like um, 
a lot of times our answers to things are, man, it really comes down to the why and to the conviction. So like attending a gay wedding, Mm -hmm. it's like, man, at the end of the day, I wouldn't, but if somehow I can see how someone can yada, yada, yada and get there, therefore you have to decide. And it's like, it comes down to their choice. It, can you carry that principle over to the topic of a woman having like being like, I wouldn't ever have an abortion, but I understand, or there, there can be ways or like at the end of the day, that's their choice, not mine. Yeah. Yeah. Or even in certain situations where maybe the fetus has an issue and you know that and your doctor brings that up and it's affecting the mother's health. So I could see the argument from that side of somebody being like, well, if that was the scenario, I would see why somebody would get an abortion if it was affecting the mother's health. Yeah, let's I mean that's inscribed in the law. So let's pick one. Like let's let's describe a scenario because it comes down to the question of this is why I don't think you can be um hey, I wouldn't personally, but I am pro choice because I don't think it's my right to take that away. If you are a Christian, you hold to a biblical perspective, that is the ending of a life. You are killing or terminating a human being who's made in the image of God. And so to hold a stance of I wouldn't personally, but I think, you know, who am I to say is to hold a stance of, I wouldn't murder anybody, but who am I to say, you know, it's wrong to murder if that's what you decide to do. And that's where it's inconsistent for Christians. On the health, I recently read an article of a guy who was an abortion, he was an abortion doctor for nine years, and he was asked the question, and he basically came out of it and has gone totally to the other side of going, I cannot believe he... um, it basically has reversed his stance after performing thousands of abortions. Mm -hmm. And he has stated there was not a single time where the life of the mother was in danger, where it didn't require delivering the baby, not destroying the baby. Does that make sense? In other words, all of the different times that he was walking through where abortions happened— required the early delivery of the baby, whether it's they have cancer, they're doing chemo treatment, there's something, the baby's 23 weeks um, in the womb and they would be early induced, but not destroyed. Does that make sense? It does, but I think there are scenarios like ectopic pregnancies where um, that could harm the mother's health and if it erupts, that could kill the mother. So in those scenarios, that's technically considered abortion if it's a fetus, but it would not be able to grow towards a full-term delivery. Yes, and that's where we would still say, man, it comes down to, is it a life? And the um, ability for doctors in a medical environment, they're just so rare. And even the deaths as a result of of that situation that you described, because that's kind of the red herring most people go to, are so rare. And the vast, vast, vast majority of abortions have nothing to do with this. 90 plus percent of them are related. They're basically a, another form of birth control, that it allows you to have the ability to, um, man, they got past the first line of defense or I forgot my birth control pill or he didn't wear a condom and they exercise that right and in that life, not under the name of some extreme bizarre circumstance. And so I think even as Christians being somewhat fluent on this stuff to speak to it, because you may have non-believing friends that say that scenario and maybe you're engaging with them and you go, okay, all right, let's put that one on hold. We'll come back to the ectopic or we'll come back to even rape and incest or another one that are outliers and red herring. Let's put those to the side for a second. And maybe you're just talking with people and trying to articulate your stance and say, um, let's just put a pin and we'll come back to those. 
If those are the things that you're worried about, can we at least agree that the 96% of abortions that happen just because of selective choosing to end the life of a child or another form of birth control, can we at least stack hands and say that's wrong? Yeah, it's good. I mean, it's crazy that there are more um, African-American babies that are aborted than born in cities like New York or in places like Los Angeles and Chicago. Like, that is tragic. Mm -hmm. And the same, I mean, every community, regardless of, of their... Um, racial profile is has hundreds of thousands of children that are killed every single year, it's, and it's tragic. And so the, as Christians, that's where we just believe it comes down to ultimately, is it a life or is it not? Is it a human or is it not? And if it's a human, then it changes everything. If it's not, then we, there's a whole different conversation that's going on there. So let me ask you another question, because yeah. I feel like some of our listeners are maybe thinking this. And it's talked about a lot in politics. So when we talk about abortion, a lot of people would say that abortion rights are tied to one political party. What would you say to that as Christians? Yeah, I mean, um, I think where the church has to do a, um, has to navigate these waters is, one, it's true. They are, generally speaking, tied to one political party. And there's one political party that has on their platform the expansion of what they would call reproductive rights, which would be abortion or the access to abortion. And so that certainly is the case. And we don't want to tether our, um, our message to anything other than the gospel and the Bible and to Jesus. And yet at the same time, if we were alive in 1860, there was one party that was very much against slavery and one that was not. And as Christians, that was an issue that superseded other issues. We can disagree about tax policy. We can disagree about um, you know, rezoning. We can disagree about healthcare. We can disagree about things that have real implications. And we should have thoughtful, articulate, um, Bible-informed perspectives on those things. But when something is contrary to God's word blatantly, there's not a, hey, we can agree to disagree on different healthcare programs. That's where Christians have to be both informed and stand for what God says is true and right in the face of a moral evil. Does that make sense? Yeah, but how would you recommend our listeners, if they're wanting to be informed as Christians, where do you think, I think in this day and age, it's so hard to know where you can get valuable information from. Mm -hmm. Do you have any recommendations on how our audience can start to inform themselves if they're listening right now? Yeah, um, as it relates to abortion? Yeah, just abortion, um, but from like a biblical or Christian viewpoint. Yeah, there's a book um, by a guy named Randy Alcorn, that's titled Pro-Life Versus Pro-Choice. There's another book by, oh man, I'm blanking on it. It's pink and it's called The Choice. And it's by Dinesh D'Souza's daughter-in-law. Yeah, The Choice by Danielle D'Souza. Um, then there's another book uh, that our family and life ministry at Watermark that Bruce, who leads that, recommended. It's called The Case for Life, which is another one that that just offer real answers to some of the biggest um, lines and defenses people put out there. Because uh, here's another one. If you get rid of abortion, people are still going to have them. Just women are going to die. They're going to use coat hangers. Have y'all heard this? Yeah. Yeah. And it, which is just not true. Or statistically speaking, the average is often like thousands of women are going to die. And even that has been debunked where they go back to um, NARAL and a very pro-abortion, pro-choice organization that said, man, I basically fudged the numbers. And on record, there was about 200 people a year who were dying from illegal birth. Bur- illegal abortions, which is strikingly close to the average number today that die with legal abortions. 
And so it, the, over 90% of illegal abortions, even that took place before Roe versus Wade passed, were done by doctors. In other words, it wasn't coat hangers. There's all of this propaganda that's been communicated. And the number of abortions that took place after it was illegalized skyrocketed. And so to say, same number of abortions are going to happen. They're just going to happen in a back alley and women are going to die. It's just not true. And it's a reflection of somebody who's been informed by propaganda. And here's where I think this is satanic. And I think it's tragic that it gets connected to a political party. And um, I think that, or I know, the Bible teaches Satan from beginning to end, from when he deceived Adam and Eve, what did he introduce into the world? Death. In Revelation, we're told that he is waiting, and he's waiting there to snatch up the life of a child that is born all throughout the scriptures. Jesus said, Satan's business card says, I came to steal, kill, and destroy. He's a liar. And he speaks lies. It's all that he knows. It's all that he speaks. And his agenda is to kill. And that's where I think there's a, a satanic aspect where our world is under the prince of the power of the air, 2 Corinthians chapter 3 says, and where Satan is pushing for abortion to happen. And anything that's going to threaten it, he is going to do all that he can to prevent even the threat of the ability to end your, your child's life being taken away because he loves death. He wants to see humans die. And Jesus is the opposite. He wants to extend our life and have us live for eternity, which is why he gave us his life. That's good. That's good. So I think we can, I mean, we could keep going with all the different things. I think overall, what would you say to Christians who are in the midst of these conversations yeah, it's good. And they're like in the face of either friend groups or, you know, sometimes I send attention like, is it my responsibility to post about this, um, you know, in their co-working spaces, all of that? Like, what is the responsibility of a Christian to speak up, to contradict, to go against? Like, yeah. What are we supposed to do? Yeah, and when we're scrolling in our social media feed, I know I was showing you guys the other day, I screenshotted some of them, but literally like friend after friend of mine was just posting all of this stuff about abortion. And I never know, am I supposed to speak up? Am I supposed to respond? Yeah. What am I supposed to do? So what would you tell our audience? That's yeah, right now? you know, I'd love, um, I've got a response. I'd love to see what y'all would add. I think social media is such not a good place to just do the, the debate back and forth. And, um, or at least I've learned that from my own experience. And so if somebody tries to create that altercation on your page, I'll, I'll just DM them and say, Hey, it, I, I don't want to start a feud here, but if you want to hear why I believe what I believe, I'm happy to share that, um, or try to remove and not engage and not create that debate. So I think depending on the level of a relationship you have with someone is going to impact how you're going to engage in that. And, and social media is just a tricky place to do it. It's not the best place to do it. Ideally, you're having that in a conversation. I think we got to be loving and winsome. Um, one of the biggest ditches, I think, is people, when you communicate a pro-life stance, because one in four to one in five women have had an abortion, they immediately feel so much shame. And one in mm -hmm. five guys were a part of a woman deciding to have that or not deciding, and they feel shame and guilt and grief over it. And so to do it in a loving um considerate, kind way to be prayerful and continue to ask God, man, would you end abortion in our lifetime or end the um, ability for it to be legal in our lifetime? Because just like death is never going away, so abortion will always be here. But legalizing it is something that we can ask God to do and pray for, that we would see this end in our generation. 
And I think you just do it in a loving, kind way and try to trust the spirit on when to engage. Like JD, with your friends, there's, I mean, you know, there's times where um, it would be helpful to give an alternative perspective to someone. And then there's times where you're almost throwing pearls before swine of like, this is just not going to get anywhere. And I'd rather talk about Jesus if we're going to talk about one. But I'm going to vote and I'm going to do anything that I can to promote pro-life from the womb to the tomb stances. And then the last thing I'd say is the church has not done a great job. And this is where, I mean, correct me if y'all disagree. I think Watermark does a good job uh, from the stage saying, hey, if you know someone who has a child and anyone who's listening right now, if you know someone who has an unexpected pregnancy, um, if they are not willing to keep that baby, we will find a home for that child. You can bring us that child. And the church has got to do a better job of helping connect those dots. Perhaps the greatest irony of this whole thing is it was through an unexpected pregnancy that the world was saved. And someone may right now be listening and they're unexpectedly pregnant and um, not sure what to do and you're scared. And that unexpected pregnancy I was talking about was Jesus, that Mary was like, dude, what? I'm Now I'm pregnant? And the Savior of the world came through that. And God wants that child you know, he's not going to make the savior of the world because there's already a savior of the world, but you have no idea what God's going to do through that child and what he's going to bring about. And um, ultimately it comes down to it is a human life. And because we believe every human life is sacred and valuable, made in the image of God, we have to stand in the face of that. That's good. And last question I have for you, David, say somebody's listening and they have a friend that's maybe considering getting an abortion or a guy's listening and his girlfriend's wanting to get one. Um, how would you tell them to go about that situation and counsel them through that? Yeah, I mean, which is real. There's a lot of people that are there. And if I could sit down across the table from them, I would say, this may seem like it's a decision that's going to make this go away and you're going to be able to move on with life. And that's just not true. Having sat, and you guys see it, you sit with them, with woman and man, for years, and they've made that decision, and they think about it all the time, and they carry shame and guilt. And tragically, those who don't know Jesus are often highly have a higher susceptible susceptibility to depression, to mental health problems. That this this decision to make that life go away is not going to make it go away. That it's a decision that's going to come with you, and that'll bring a scar that God can heal and God can be a part of. But you're, it's not going to go away. And the decision to say, man, I'm going to courageously, and despite the fact that it's going to disrupt everything that I'm doing right now in life, I'm going to decide I'm going to carry this child to full term, and I'm going to find a place and a home for it because there's for every one child there's that's put up for adoption, there's 30 families looking to adopt. There's a drastic shortage in the ability of people to find or have a child in their home. And so, man, I'm going to bring it to full term, hopefully connect at a local church and find a place for that child to be raised and loved. That's good. My last question, um, what would you just say right now to someone who abortion is part of their story in any way? Yeah. Um, we, if they're in Dallas, we have a ministry called Worth More. It's at Watermark. You can go to watermark.org forward slash worth, W-R, no, W-O-R-T-H-M-O-R-E, Worth More. And God's not done with you. And you may need to take a season of healing and processing and working through that just like any traumatic event that can happen to any of our lives, whether it's the passing of your father, whether it's divorce of your parents, whether it's sexual abuse that's part of your story, God's not done and God wants to bring healing. And what I've seen is when we bring those parts of our life where we need him to heal, he then uses that part of our story to be a part of healing in other people's stories. The The best ministers to women who have 
you know, made the decision to have an abortion are women who have had that in their story and just display how God has brought healing and worked in yeah, spite of that. So true. That's good. Man, that's it. That's it's um heavy and um let me pray. Yeah. That's right. Father, we pray for anyone who right now is listening that has that a part of their story that their heart would just be flooded with your love and you would allow shame and guilt to not overwhelm them, that they would believe you're not done with them and they would experience your healing power and you'd use them to be a part of ministering to other people. And we do ask that you would um, strengthen your church to be a banner of love and life in this time and that one day we'll look back and we'll say, man, and then there were none. Then there were no more Planned Parenthood facilities, administering abortion, or just abortion clinics. And would you bring that about? And while we wait, would you help us to be marked by love, kindness, and look like Jesus? Mm -hmm. In Christ's name, amen. Amen. All right, guys, that's all I got. Anything else? That's it. All right, we'll see you next week in another episode of Views from the Porch. Thank you for listening to Views from the Porch. For more information about The Porch, follow us on social media or visit us at theporch.live. And as always, go in peace and love to serve the Lord this week.